This is the Horse Radio Network. Hi, everyone. Glenn the Geek here with the Horse Radio Network, and you're listening to the first episode of the HRN Auditor Roundtable. The show where we get a few of our HRN auditors together to talk about horses and life. We are putting this episode out on the Stable Scoop radio show feed for all to hear. It's sort of like eavesdropping on the tack room conversation. And I'm here as a facilitator. and will ask the questions and sit back and relax and enjoy it like the rest of you. To, uh, to answer what is an auditor, well, real quickly, an auditor is a person who has elected, who is a big fan of the shows, and who has elected to hop into our auditor program, paying as little as a dollar a month, sometimes 5 or $10 a month, to become an auditor. And uh, for that, they get certain benefits, which we'll, we can talk about at the end of the show. But one of those benefits is they get to participate in this auditor roundtable. And we hope to do these on a periodic basis and uh, make them available for everybody to listen to. We're going to introduce our first three auditors who are brave enough to join me tonight. And lay it all out there. Now, you guys, you, you don't have to lay it all out there as much as Jamie does, because that's kind of the extreme. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, maybe close to that. Well, we first have somebody who has been uh, a co-host on our shows. She has also been banned and unbanned the most of anybody that, uh, that we know about on, on the Horses in the Morning show uh, because of her insolence. Uh, and that is Robin Donahy from Texas. Hi, Robin. Hey. It's good to have you on again. Matter of fact, when I put out the call for the auditors about who wanted to be on, Robin sent me a note and said, am I banned right now or can I do this? So, am I allowed on? <laughs> apparently you're allowed on. So. I'm, I'm allowed on as a guinea pig only. That's right. If it wasn't our first episode, you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be. As a matter of fact, I had to ask uh, Robin if she was currently banned or not, because I've lost track. Uh, uh, and that is because she colludes with Jamie and in, in, in doing things against me. So that's, that's why. So that if we is. ask Jamie, I'm not banned. That's right. If you ask Jamie, you're never banned. But, uh, <laughs> but I still write the paychecks, see? So... Um, our second guest is Doreen Rose. Hi, Doreen. Hello. And uh, Doreen is from New York, right? Yep, Long Island. Now you're so you're not in the part that's now under eight feet of snow. No, it's actually relatively decent where I am. It's up north, but it's snowing really bad. Well, uh, we're glad for that, uh, for, <laughs> for your sake, because some of those pictures are just <laughs> out of this world. And then we also have Celeste Coulter, who's on, who we met at Rolex this year, who is out of Maryland, right, Celeste? Virginia, actually. Virginia. Okay, got it. I knew it was somewhere down there. Uh, well, welcome to the show, Celeste. Thank you. Glad to be here. So let's learn a little bit about you guys before we let you talk to each other. Uh, Robin, we'll start with you. Robin from Texas. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, I have been in horses ever since my mom bought us some when I was nine and have never looked back. I uh, learned on a green horse. I was definitely green on green. I was one of those <laughs> crazy non-helmet wearing kids that would always ride around in my flip-flops. And my uh, reasoning to my mother was as long as I don't fall off, my feet are fine. <laughs> I uh, I currently have three horses, a standard bred cross that pulls a carriage that I do weddings with. I also have an old AT, um, OTTB, and um, he's 24 now. And he we actually talked about him on Horses in the Morning uh, when I was on with Jamie about hard keepers. So he's definitely a hard keeper. And then I have the easiest keeper in the world, a mini. Uh, he's about two now. And he was a, I was also on the Horses in the Morning about him two years ago to talk about his surprise birth. So he is round as a pumpkin. And uh, even though I put a muzzle on him when I think about it, uh, but I feel so bad for him when he has to wear his muzzle. I know. Um, I, I'm with you there, girl. <laughs> I'm with you. And now he's got his gives four-inch mini hair, so he looks even bigger. <laughs> <clears throat> well, 
Well, you know, I am shocked at how many listeners we have that have minis. There are a ton of mini owners out there that I never knew about. A ton of them. Well, let's switch gears and head up to Doreen there in New York, out in Long Island. One of the uh, few people left out there that has horses. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm a dressage rider. I rode as a kid, just taking some basic jumping lessons, and oh, probably for about maybe two or three years. And then I stopped, and I didn't ride for a long time until I was in my late 20s. And then I started again. And I, I did end up buying my own horse, which was my first horse, about three and a half years ago. She's a 14-1 Welsh cob mare. She was a brood mare, so she was a little bit new to riding when I bought her. So, uh, you know, in the beginning, it was a little intimidating having a horse that didn't have a really extensive riding background. And for me, it being my first horse. But we've come a long way. And we compete. We do schooling shows. And we also do some rated shows. Uh, we worked our way through intro and training level dressage, and right now we're kind of working on trying to perfect everything at first level. And I just really enjoy her a lot. I have a lot of fun with her, and she keeps me pretty busy. <laughs> Outside of horses, I'm a full-time teacher at a high school, so I teach high school Spanish. And I pretty much work every day, and then I go spend my nights with my horse. I didn't know you were a Spanish teacher. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now we're going to switch gears. We're head down to Virginia with Celeste. How are you? So tell us a little bit about yourself, Celeste. Let's see. The Reader's Digest version, I guess, is that um, I've been obsessed with horses probably since before I came out of the womb. <laughs> but there's no telling how that happened because no one in my family, not my immediate family or my extended family, has anything to do with horses. So I'm not really sure how I picked that up, but, um, but they're definitely, they're, they're my passion and my obsession and they're my kids. So I pretty much spend every, every waking moment and every dime on them and, and don't regret any of it. They're, they're definitely what makes me the happiest. Um, but, uh, my husband Ben and I just bought our farm this year, which we talked about on, on horses in the morning with you guys at Rolex and we're loving it. Just, getting things set up the way that we want and um right now i've got four i've got my uh, very first horse my quarter horse he's 31 and then two ottbs um both pretty failed racehorses one who's still a bit of a failure at life but likes teaching beginner riding lessons <laughs> and uh the other one is too athletic and smart for his own good most of the time so he's a lot of fun and um, and then I've got my little miniature pony, who was my very first equine of any sort, and I got him when I was four, and I've still got him today. So he is 27 now this year. So that's the and and Celeste, uh, when we met you last year at Rolex, you were not married. <laughs> no, <laughs> as uh, I guess as as horse people tend to be pretty practical, I think, and um. For us, we we had been looking for a farm for two and a half years before we finally managed to close on this place, and we had talked about it before that and said, you know, it only makes sense if we get a farm that we go ahead and do the legal part. We're still going to have a great big party later down the road, but we figured for uh, financial reasons and also if, God forbid, anything happened to either one of us, we wanted to make sure that it was on the books that, <laughs> that we both had a solid show over what happened with this place and all of that. So we just went ahead and it looked all sneaky like and uh, <laughs> did it here on the farm with the ponies in the background. And it was a lot of fun. We liked it. Now it oh, wasn't God. because was Jamie and I though. gave you endless crap at Rolex and gave Ben endless crap <laughs> at Rolex. Was it, was he feeling guilty <laughs> at the time he left? No, but yeah. you know, it's pretty funny <laughs> because we, we only told a, a handful of people that we were going to do it because we weren't trying to keep it a secret, but um, but I have a kind of crazy family uh, on my mother's side, and we were just like, you know, you just, you just tell the people what we want to come that it's going to happen. Everybody else can find out afterwards. <laughs> so we did it, and some people were like, oh, you did that because we, we were trying to tell you that we did that, and we were trying to convince you. And we're like, you can keep thinking that if you want, but this has kind of been in the works for <laughs> a while now. <laughs> 
Well, now it is time for me to just ask some leading questions and let you go, guys go at it. I have my alcoholic beverage here, so I'm just going to sit back <laughs> and, and listen. But we'll start with this one. And I'm getting a little serious on you here today. Now, and, and just to clarify, Robin, you're married and have two kids, right? Yes. Doreen, are you married? No, I'm single, no kids. Single, no kids. Okay, that's good. And then Celeste is newly married. So we have a little bit of everything here. Let me ask you, and you can talk about it now or in the past or, or however you want to relate to this question. What is the biggest challenge on your family that you have about owning horses? So in other words, because you own horses, what is the biggest challenge that creates for your family, whatever that family is? So let's start with, let's start with uh, Robin, who's, who's been married the longest. <laughs> yeah, going on 11 years now. Um, the biggest challenge we always seem to have is anytime we want to go anywhere, finding a house sitter because we're not in an oh, area yeah. that is like um, big into horses. And even though our neighbors have horses, they're not people that we want taking care of the horses. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> finding a, finding a house sitter that I trust, uh, to, to take care of the horses is, is hard. And my husband's not a horsey guy. So he's like, gets a little frustrated with that at times. Like he's like, I just want to go somewhere and we can't just go anywhere because of all these responsibilities. And, um, yeah, so that's, that by far is the biggest. I have to completely agree with you there because I, I know for us, it's been like, or at least for me, I guess really is what I should say, because I've had the horses, they're not really bent horses, but um, it has always been, we kind of live in an area where there's tons of horses around here, but the level of care <laughs> is uh, subpar to say, <laughs> say it nicely. Finding someone who is willing to not only come house it and take care of multiple horses but also for us like if we're gonna have somebody come out and take care of the horses we may as well have someone come farm sit and take care of the dogs and the cats and everything too and um there's not too many people that you would trust with that kind of care when you know we all know horses they they wait until you're gone to hurt themselves <laughs> so having somebody that i that i trust that not only be able to care for them but also handle a situation if a situation is to arise has been a, a major thing for us and it's nice that right now we do have somebody who we really trust who who can stay here and she's happy to stay here and play with the dogs and ride the horses while I'm gone and I trust her to ride the horses while I'm gone and all of that that's been a huge help but she's in college around here and we don't know if she'll stay afterwards so if she leaves we're going to be we're going to be out looking again <laughs> Well, as for me, my situation is a little bit different because I'm single and I don't have any kids. So I'm fortunate in the sense that there's nobody waiting for me at home at night. So when I leave work, I can go to the barn and I can stay there really late. And, you know, like I said, no one's waiting for me. No one's calling me, wondering where I am. Uh, that's one problem that I see a lot of my friends have, that they always have a family um, that they need to run home to and other people that are waiting for them. But I would say with my family, the one thing that's a challenge is just that they don't get the whole horse thing all together. <laughs> None of them ride and, and um, you know, they're not really into what I do with the horses. So when it, the subject comes up at family parties, you know, it's always kind of like, oh, how's your horse? And, I, you know, I kind of give them a brief fill in on what I'm doing. But there's just not a lot of super enthusiasm um, among my family with the horse thing, which I understand because, like I said, they're not all... They're not all horse people. They're not really into horses to begin with. Um, but at the same time, sometimes I, I wish I'd be able to come home and, and share my horse excitement with at least someone in my family. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to talk to non-horse people about horses. It's like, come on, give me something back. You know, it's I'm really into this, and you could care less. You're just asking because you feel like it's necessary. Yeah, you know, especially yeah. when it's something Definitely. that I'm working really, really hard with my horse on, and I come home and I'm excited about it. And one of my friends oh, calls yeah. me and I said, "You know, I just got that transition right today," and they're just kind of like, "Oh, well, all right, okay, whatever." <laughs> and then they yeah. change the subject, and it kind of like you know takes my excitement away a little bit. You could explain for for days, and they just wouldn't understand like how much effort and how hard of work you put into something. And when you finally get like that one right answer. They're just like, okay. Right, right. <laughs> You're like, no, this is such a big deal. 
And it's the little things that we get most excited about that people are just like, you're telling me you're this excited just because your horse didn't, like, rush the fence today? Like, yeah, uh, like, normally he runs off with me. This is huge. (laughs) How can you not understand that? And, like, for once, he finally let me have the control. (laughs) And they're just like, okay, you're entirely too worked up about this. And he's like, oh, (laughs) please don't get it. I remember when I first got my my pony, one of the first issues I had with her is she would bolt at the canner. So we would ask for the canner, and she would sometimes just take off really strong, and I couldn't get her to stop. Oh, God. And then, you know, it took a long time to get it under control. And then one day I was just mentioning to my brother, I was so excited. I said, you know, I finally got to the point with my horse where I'm fully in control of her canner. And if she tries to bolt, I can stop it right away. And I have to admit, that took me about a year and a half to get to that point. And I was so proud when I got there. And he looked at me, and he's like, well, what's the big deal? He's like, I went on a trail ride once when I was, you know, 12, and we cannoned right away. What's the big deal? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I remember you didn't when teach I was, that horse to canter. <laughs> right. I remember when I taught was uh, training the mini colt to uh, to lead, and that was he was doing so well, and uh, I was so proud of him. And he wasn't trying to like take off; he was just walking nicely next to me, and he was stopping when I'd stop. He'd start when I'd start. It was just awesome. And my husband's parents were visiting at the time, and his dad was like. And I'm like, they're not born knowing this. They're not? And I'm like, oh, yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> yeah, the things that people just assume. <laughs> they just assume like, oh, sure. It's a, it's a wild animal's natural instinct to just let you put a, put a leather strap around its head and just lead it wherever you want it to go. No, that's not the way it works. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't understand it. <laughs> now, now, people do understand when I'm so proud that he's not biting anymore. <laughs> they do get that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a, a huge part. It, and it's, I'm not one to, to get on the phone for long conversations. If, if I'm going to have a long conversation with someone, I, I typically want to be there in person with them to be able to read body language and share excitement or what have you and it's like sometimes I, I can just be so excited about something and it's like you know what I have to call one of my horse friends just to discuss it because no one else will understand and I don't want to I don't want you to rain on my parade like I'm super happy about right. this right now don't right. don't be my buzzkill I, I want to stay happy about it so I have to call someone who will actually get what I'm talking about enough to be like that's awesome congratulations Right, you have to right. find someone uh, on the same wavelength. It is a downer when when you're all like pumped up about something awesome that you you accomplished, and then people are like, "Huh?" And you're like, "Yeah, it's a really big deal." And it's hard to stay happy about it when they're so bummed about it. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Definitely. Good. Cut. I think the little things most that like you can just say because we sort of speak our own language being horse people that you can talk to another horse person about. Like uh, one of the things I remember most is when I had just moved my, uh, my six year old up to novice and I had taken him up to the Virginia horse center for a horse trials. And I had schooled him on cross country the day before they had an open schooling that you could pay for. And, since I was moving him up, I was like, well, I'll go out there and I'll make sure he's okay with all the novice fences and everything. And if he's not, then I'll, I'll bump him back down to beginner novice. So I go out there and I school him and he's just super, you know, I got this, get out of my face. I can do it by myself. I don't need your help. Just all over the place. And I was like, man, he's going to be a handful tomorrow, but he's obviously confident enough to do it. So I should let him do it. So I take him out there the next day and he's just, a total fez in the dressage, and then he goes in show jumping, and we argue all the way around the course. At mm. points, he's, like, taking off with me so hard. He's looking up at the sky and jumping three-foot blind, not even looking at it, oh, and yet no. he it up. So he's too athletic for his own good. So, like, everybody's like, how's he doing? And I was like, well, he had a fine. He he jumps clean, but he's a jerk. <laughs> so we go out to cross country, and he ends up, he ends up running so fast. He literally put... 
three gallop strides in a five stride combination and then bolted with me from one fence all the way to the next before I got him back. And I made him stop and walk on the cross country course for 30 seconds before I let him start gantering again. And he still came in like a minute and a half under optimum time. I try and tell that to Ben, and he's just like, yeah, I saw him bolt with you, but I don't know what that means. I tell that to a horse person, they're like, holy crap, (laughs) he was going so fast with you. Like, If he did all that and you made him walk for 30 seconds and he still came in that far under optimum time, he was literally racehorse galloping with you. I'm like, thank thank you, someone who understands. Like, you get it. I can just say that and you get it. Most people would be like, well, if your horse jumped clean and you didn't have any rails down and you didn't have any time, why are you upset? And it's like, because I don't want to go in and jump three foot oxford with my horse looking at the clouds and not at the peasants. There's a huge difference there. But It's very unnerving when they're not paying attention. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So sometimes you just have to have people who, who, get the lingo to to be able to explain what you're actually trying to say is like, this is why it's good or this is why it's bad. And you, you tell someone who doesn't do horses that, and they're just like, it's so over their head. They they don't even know how to follow your conversation, but you look at another horse person and say that. And even if they don't do the same discipline as you, they're still just like, Oh my goodness. I totally get where it's, you're coming from. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because I've been to some parties sometimes with people who have, uh, who English is their second language. And I brought them with me to some dressage parties and you know, they'll kind of turn to me at some point and they'll say, you know, I don't understand at all what's being mm-hmm. said. And I'll say, you know what? That has nothing to yeah. do with your English. That's because it's all dressage terminology and you have no idea what we're talking <laughs> about. And I said, don't feel bad. Because <laughs> exactly. American friends, they say the same thing. They never know what I'm talking about when I'm with my horse friends. <laughs> horse is my third language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, I well, let's, uh, that's a terrific conversation. Let's go on to the second question, and this one, this one relates probably back a, again to to the family in, in one way. Do you have a budget for the horse thing, or just take it as it comes? Do you have an amount that you set aside, say, okay, this is what I'm going to spend on the horses, or d- did you try that and it was a total failure? I, you know, and Celeste, you're brand new at this and have a brand new hubby, so I know from experience that this is something you deal with when you're newly married, when one is and what isn't. So, how do you handle it? Well, it's funny that you say that because it's actually um, it, it's really not in issue per se at all uh, I know you guys always joke I find it kind of ironic that you guys always joke on the morning show about like well once you get married it's going to be both of your checkbooks but Ben and I actually keep separate bank accounts still and I do that for the most part because I feel like it's only fair to him because the horses cost so much more than his jeeps and stuff do so uh, we pay our combined expenses together, things like our mortgage and electric bills and stuff like that. We all split those things. But as far as the hobby stuff, I really, I pay for all the horses' expenses myself. So the farrier costs and the feed and shows, all of that just comes straight out of my bank account. And, I mean, I I wouldn't say that I have a budget um, because we have our own farm. So I think if... I think if I had to board my horse, it would be a lot more of an issue as far as budgeting out what I could afford and how many horses I could afford, depending on how much board was costing and all that. But for me, like that cost is not just going out the door. It's essentially paying my mortgage. You know, my board is a big part of my mortgage, essentially. I guess I should thank you, Glenn, for starting Tack of the Day because I'm a total addict. <laughs> well, I definitely check Tack of the Day every day. And um, and I just, I'm really, really mindful of what goes out the door. Um, but I, I wouldn't say it's at all that I have, you know, a, a great job that I can afford to buy whatever I want. That's not the case. It's really just that um, I think we as horse people are willing to give up other niceties in order to be able to afford our horses. And so like, I'd say 95% of my clothes probably come from Goodwill (laughs) and I'm fine with that because I'll just go and spend the time to find some of the nice stuff, pick it up at a cheap price, make sure that it's suitable to wear to work or whatever. And now because I don't have to go out shopping, 
for, you know, for work clothes or, or everyday clothes that's going to cost me a couple hundred dollars I've spent like $50 on and I'm good for the whole year kind of thing. You know, it's, it's things like that that I'm really mindful of when, when we go grocery shopping, we, we get lots of off-brand stuff that's just as good a quality, but we're saving a dollar here and a dollar there. So I think that's the main thing is people have a misconception of um, course people are automatically going to be wealthy people. And I, I really don't think that that's even close to the majority. I think the majority of us are, are your everyday kind of people doing doing regular jobs, but we budget ourselves and we watch our money and, and all of that. And we give up some of the other things that people enjoy. Like a lot of my friends go out to eat two or three times a week, but Ben and I try not to go out to eat more than maybe once a week. So it's just little stuff like that, I think, that makes the biggest difference. Well, now, Doreen, you're single, so you have all the money in the world to spend on your horse. <laughs> yeah, no one to yell at me when I spend too much on my horse. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, you know, what I found the hardest since I've owned the horse is I, I was always somebody who worked more than one job. I would have my full-time job, and then if I ever felt like there was something I wanted to save up for or maybe I had a credit card uh, that was going a little high and I got a little nervous, I was always able to just go out and get another couple of jobs, another job for a few months. Like I might have picked up a waitressing job or especially during the summer as a teacher, you know, I have two months free where I could always just do a summer job. And that all changed when I bought my course, mainly because I almost consider her now like another full-time job of mine. So if I were to be... If I were to go to work every day and then go through a second job at night to make more money, then I'd be losing out on my time with my horse, which is the main thing that my money is going towards in the first place. So I have found that somewhat difficult to balance. Um, just there are times that I wish I could bring in a little bit of extra income, but the question always comes down to when am I going to have the time to do it because I don't want anything to cut into my training time or my riding time. And now even during the summers, I really don't want to be locked into a summer job because I want to be available to show during the summer. And I want to be available to go to clinics and to travel to away shows. And I want to keep myself available for all of that. Uh, as a teacher, the one advantage I have is that I can tutor and I could just do a tutoring session for an hour here and an hour there. And, you know, with tutoring, it's hit or miss. Some years I'll have a lot of students that need tutoring and other years there won't be that many. I got very lucky last year in that I was pretty busy tutoring towards the end of the school year. And that actually paid for the majority of my uh, show season last summer. Uh, then the negative side was I would be leaving work then I would be going to tutor and I wouldn't be getting out to the barn until about 8 o'clock at night to ride. And I was just exhausted throughout the whole, you know, all spring last year. So, um, you know, it is different because I don't have other people that depend on me and I don't have kids that are coming to me for money. Um, or like I said, there's no one else sitting down with me every month complaining about, you know, why I spent this on the horse or, you know, why did I have to get her this blanket? Why couldn't I have just gotten her something cheaper? Um, but, but I guess even being single, you still have your own financial challenges when you own a horse. I just pretty much take everything as it comes. And I will say that, um, my monthly costs with my horse are pretty steady in terms of what I have budgeted in for her board and for the training. But what's gotten a little bit expensive is the showing. And even when I started, I just did a few schooling shows here and there. Then I started doing the rating shows. And of course, when you do the rated shows, then you have to have all the membership and that adds up after a while. And then last year when I started traveling, that adds an extra expense to everything because then I have to pay for the show that we go to. If we're there for two or three days, I have to pay for her board for the two or three days for wherever we're staying, for the stabling. Then I have to pay for the hotel room for me. And uh, what I basically do now is instead of taking a vacation once a year, I save up all that money and I use that for horse shows. So I consider when I go away at a horse show, that's pretty much my vacation now. Well, and boy, when you have to trailer to go to a show out of Long Island... Any of the roads out of Long Island with a trailer, I don't admire you for that. I really don't. <laughs> it's exhausting. And, you know, the first time I did an away clinic was this past summer. We um, we went to a place that should have been about a six-hour trailer ride and ended up being about 10 hours. But the one thing that I, I didn't really realize until I got there was, since I was there by myself, I couldn't sleep in any of the days. Because even though maybe I wouldn't have to ride in the clinic until, say, 11 or 12 o'clock, or even if the, the away shows, if I didn't have to ride till 2 o'clock, 
I still had to get up in the morning. I still had to feed my horse. I still had to take care of her in the morning. So it's not even like I really got to have any sort of a break or any downtime or I didn't get to sleep in any of the days because I still had to make sure that I was there in the morning to feed her, to take care of her, to walk her around. Uh, the same thing at night. I had to make sure that I was there at night to make sure she had her dinner and take care of her. So even though that was technically, you know, that clinic or that show may have been my little vacation time, I still felt like I was working around the clock. It was exhausting. <laughs> Well, now let's why did it, it up a little. Why did it end up taking? I was just wondering why did it end up taking ten hours rather than seven. This past summer, they were doing a lot of construction on the George Washington Bridge, so we got held up in the city for about three hours just sitting in traffic. Oh my god! And that is awful. the worst, especially during the summer, because not only was it hot, and of course I was always concerned about her. I don't want her to get overheated. But when you're in that area of New York City, the traffic is so loud. And I always leave the windows in her trailer open so that she has a breeze coming in. But every once in a while, I would yeah. roll down my window just to make sure I could hear her. And the, the noise would be deafening. And it always made me so worried about her being inside the trailer because I didn't know if it was bothering her ears. I have a little camera on her. And yeah. I, could, you know, I could see her. She never looked like she was too upset about anything or it didn't seem like her, her ears were bothering her or she was in pain, but the traffic there was so loud, and there was nothing I could do about it. We were pretty much just stuck there for three hours. So Talk about that was desensitized, huh? Summer. She's either desensit- she's desensitized now, either that or totally deaf. I'm not sure. Get <laughs> 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 some of those horse earplugs like uh, Tammy Sarant uses for the amount of yeah, shooting. For shooting, yeah. 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 And you know, well, once you're off. Once you're past New York City, then it's you know then you're on pretty relatively quiet roads, and the traffic everywhere else is just not so bad. But it's like whenever I get closer to the city, that last hour or hour and a half of my drive is always so stressful because of course everyone's driving around you, and they don't particularly care that you have a horse in the trailer, and they're zipping past really fast. And I always dread the like when I'm coming back from a show or a clinic, I always dread the last hour and a half of the ride because it's just the most stressful. Yeah, don't you know, I don't, I don't envy trailers. you at all for that. Yeah. And horses and trailers <laughs> equals, please pull in front of me and slam on your brakes. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. I know. I don't well, think I curse. I, well, I curse a lot in general, but I don't think I curse <laughs> any ever, any more than when someone puts my horses in danger on the road. Then then crazy mama bear comes out. Uh, you do. I get really angry. <laughs> now you know why they eloped. She said, Ben, we're getting married, and he didn't want to argue at all. It's like, tomorrow we're going. He knows be better. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on to the next question. We'll lighten things up a little bit, and we'll start, uh, we'll start with uh, Robin here. If you had the money to get your dream horse, what would it be? Oh, Andalusian, hands down. Would it be riding, driving, or just driving? Or? Both. Both? Both. I, I had an Andalusian cross when I was growing up, and uh, I rode her father a lot. And, oh, my gosh, it was so fun. They're so athletic, <laughs> and they could do anything. Jamie always says, on the morning show, always says that they can't jump, but they can. I mean, my, my horse's sire could jump 3-6, no problems. <clears throat> so definitely, definitely a uh, an Andalusian that could ride and drive. Doreen? Well, I'm obsessed with Frisians. I think they are the most beautiful creatures <laughs> that walk this earth. Um, I think it's a combination of just like that, the striking, the black image of one of them just flowing along and the long manes and the, I love the feathers and the long tails. Um, the one thing I, I'm not crazy about in them though, is their big size. Cause I tend to like the smaller horses. So I don't know if I would want a Frisian or maybe a fell pony. Cause they look just like a Frisian, but they're in a much smaller package. The so, Frisians, but I just see, you know, are like in the 15 hand range. They just look. Yeah. Like yeah. And the fell ponies, I think can be like 13, maybe 14 hands. So they're even tinier because my, you know, my Welsh cob is 14 one. So I've become very oh, used okay. to being really low to the ground. Yeah, but yeah, even a Frisian, if it were fifteen hands, something along those lines would be would be really nice. That would be my dream horse. And Celeste, would you go away from the OTTB? Oh God, no! They're a bright girl through and through. <laughs> they're they're my absolute favorite. I think if you ask me, 
my dream horse. It, it really, it really would be my six-year-old. He's just, he's definitely, he's a handful, but he is 100%. He's my heart horse. And I think the only thing I can do to make him more perfect would be uh, just more money towards lessons. <laughs> lessons are something that I don't get to do as often as I would like. And I think if I could, uh, if I could afford to, to take him out to my dressage boot camp and stuff more often, I think we could make a lot more progress more quickly. But, but I just, I absolutely love the thoroughbreds. I, I love that they're a little bit hot. I love that they're almost always in front of your leg. And I'm a total speed demon. I just like, <laughs> I love the cross country. I, I love going out and just, you know, riding across the terrain and, and just taking, you know, taking fences at steeplechase and stuff like that. So, um, I, I would totally, I would try to stick with my, my little thoroughbreds. Very good. And let's head over to the next question. We have two more left for you. Um, if you could share one lesson that you've learned the hard way about life with horses, what would it be, Doreen? Um, I would think there's a difficulty in balancing everything. Since I since I owned a horse, I always wonder like how do horsewomen do their housework? Like because once I had a horse, I was always so busy <laughs> and I never had enough time to even come home and clean my house. And by the end of a full week, my house is an absolute mess. <laughs> so I think. Um, having a horse has kind of taught me that I need to be uh, more patient with things. I can't rush things. I can't always control everything. I, I can't do everything all at once, you know, because now I have so many responsibilities that something has to give somewhere. Um, that was a little, little bit hard for me in the beginning. And even just um, in dealing with the horse every day, you know, I, I bought a horse that didn't have a huge amount of training under her belt. So it took a long time to do certain things with her that you know, I could have got, gotten on right away and done with a school horse. So it gave me an appreciation for how much work it really takes to make a good horse and to really adequately and properly train one of them. And when we do run into our little obstacles, I just have to always remember to take a deep breath and know that eventually we're going to work through it and eventually she's going to get it. And I just have to sit back and, and just kind of let things happen. Robin? That's a good answer. I'd say the lesson that I learned is no matter how many horses you've had in your life or how long you've owned horses for, anytime they colic, there's this helpless feeling that you have and you panic because you never know. Is it going to be just a mild colic or is it something major and just the being afraid of colic, I guess. Hmm. The thing I always worry about. <clears throat> it's Celeste? definitely scary. Um, I guess I kind of have two. Um, I think for myself, I think the hardest thing, hardest, the biggest lesson I guess I've learned the hard way, um, is that uh, not every horse is made for every rider, and uh, unfortunately, I learned that the hard way over <laughs> about a ten-year period of trying to convince my other thoroughbred, the really lazy one, that um, that work really wasn't such a bad thing and that jumping was really not the end of the world and stuff like that. And now that I look back on it, I, I realized that really from the start, we, we were always sort of firing gasoline <laughs> together, the two of us. And, um, and I guess I, I kind of wish that someone maybe had a – someone with – you know, the knowledge that should have been looking out for me, trainers or what have you. Um, I sort of wish that somebody had stepped in a long time ago and, and said, like, you know, maybe you need to consider that this isn't the right horse for you because he ended up getting to the point that he was downright dangerous with me. And um, it was partially, I'm sure, because I was, I, I, it was a situation of green on green for, <laughs> for the two of us as well. Um, I had, uh, I had started with my quarter horse who was just, I mean, he's, the most saintly animal that's ever walked this earth and and he took care of us 100% and I did all kinds of things with him that I had no business doing and because he made me so confident because he always took care of me um, I, I think I went into it with my thoroughbred my second horse who just he would barely walk trot canter and um, I got him through the 4-H program back when they took donations because he had essentially tried to kill his previous rider 
and scared her so much that she was like, I, I can't keep this horse. And they tried to, and of course, no one would buy him because he was dangerous. And he got donated, and somehow I ended up with him as a 14-year-old uh, <laughs> ignorant child and um, thought, well, it's no big, no big deal that he just stood up on his hind end for 30 seconds with me. Like, it's, it's okay. I'm going to make him work anyways. So that was a really tough lesson Gee, to learn. Celeste, did and somebody hate you back then? Were, did you have an enemy? I guess so. <laughs> I think we can get rid of her this way. I, was, I think that people just thought because I was really baldy that I would just put up with it. And I guess I did for a long, a long time. I was just like, you're not going to get away with that. We're going to work anyway. <laughs> but it, it took a long, long time for me to come to terms with it because I, I do love him and, and I care very much what happens to him and that's why I still got him is because I was like well I could never let him go to a home where he would put himself in, a, in another dangerous situation like that but it took a long time for me to come to terms with the fact that um he didn't want to do the job I wanted him to do and that I still very much wanted to do it but I needed to I needed to finally listen to him and and give him what he deserved and that that for him is a different job and ironically for 10 years he tried to more or less kill me and then I just so happened to be like all right well I pretty much gave him a year off where he just wasn't doing anything and uh Ben got on him and Ben's ridden I think now like a handful of times maybe four or five times and all those times have really just been I throw a western saddle on one of the horses he gets on and just walks so that he doesn't have to walk on his own two feet around the cross-country course or whatever if I'm schooling or something he'll just get on and ride just to not have to trudge out there by himself and and I put Ben on him one day because I was like, you know, he's he's really calm. He's not going to do anything. And Ben's just going to walk anyways. And then it was just like this look of relaxation came over his face. Like, oh, my God, I don't have to do anything today. So this is like the coolest thing since sliced bread. I, I, <laughs> I'm just going to take care of this stack of potatoes on my back. And, and that's all I have to do. And I'm going to get, you know, a cookie for it later. <laughs> so now he's actually teaching beginner riding lessons for me. And, and that's. That's just his jam. He he really enjoys it. So it was hard for me to realize that, like, just because he's got the potential, the horse can very easy physically, he can very easily jump three foot six, but his brain is not in it and his heart's not in it. So it's not the right thing for him. But um, he was sort of my only option at the time. And, and so I went through that for a long time trying to, trying to, you know, get him to think, like, no, really, it's okay. It's not that hard. Um, so that was really difficult for me to, to learn the hard way, but I'm, I'm glad now that I have a horse that does enjoy the job, wants to do it with me. And, um, hey, Celeste, really though, I got to say, forth. though, mm-hmm. trying to tell a 14-year-old that, uh, you know, that that <laughs> horse wasn't right for her is trying to tell a, an 18-year-old girl that the bad boy is not good for her either. Uh, there's not a lot of listening going on at that point. You needed but to learn that, that one on your own. <laughs> yeah, well, probably someone, still should have, <laughs> probably somebody still should have jumped in at some point and been like, you know, he's, he is legitimately dangerous for you. But, but you know what? It, it, thankfully, <laughs> he never sent me to the hospital. Um, he, he got me off more times than I can possibly remember or count, but... Um, but he well, never, and now you know he, how to he's fall. not a mean spirited horse. Oh yeah, I can fall real good. <laughs> duck and roll, duck and roll. Doreen, yeah. All right, last question then for you guys is, and this relates back to being an auditor and why you're on the show in the first place, is why did you choose to become an auditor? And we're going to go to Robin last because she hates me right now. So uh, <laughs> Doreen first. <laughs> okay. Um, well, you know, it was funny when I discovered you guys because for a while I had been thinking to myself, you know, I spend a lot of time in my car. I sometimes, some days I'm behind the wheel of the car about, you know, two and a half up to three hours between Oof. my commute from work to the barn and home and all the different places I have to go. And for a while I had been thinking to myself, you know, I spend so much time listening to the radio, the same songs over and over. It gets kind of boring. And it would be really great if I could find something to listen to that would maybe like a veterinary show or some information about horses or something along those lines or even just other animals that I'm interested in. And the funny thing is I had done searches for podcasts using the word horse and horseback riding and never came across you guys. It wasn't actually until I had a magazine. One of the magazines I was reading, I think, made reference to the dressage radio show. And I thought to myself, oh, wow, that's, that's, you know, kind of interesting. So I looked that up, and then I found out that you were a whole network of shows 
so I started downloading the podcast and listening to them in my car. And um, I was really happy to have finally found something that kept me entertained while I was driving along, kept me awake all the time (laughs) and interested and alert. Um, But it was also very educational. And I feel like since I started listening to the Horse Radio Network, I have learned so much about horses, not even just about my discipline and about horses in general, but um, a a lot of Dr. Wendy's veterinary care and her tips I've I've found really interesting. I'm not a driver, but I love listening to the driving radio show. And I I find it interesting listening to eventers and all the other variety of shows that you have. I learned so much that when the opportunity came up to be an auditor, I was interested in just doing my part to give back to you guys a little bit of what you give to me. And from my small contribution each month, I hope it just keeps the Horse Radio Network going, and I hope you guys can be around forever. I really do feel like when I drive around in my car, that instead of it just being me on the road by myself heading out to the barn, I feel like I have two horse friends sitting in the back seat just talking about horses the whole time, and I just get to listen in on the conversation and have fun. So for me, the Horse Radio Network has been a really great thing in my life, and I'm very glad to be a part of it. So I'm more than happy to be an auditor, and I think more people out there should should be auditors as well. Thank you, Doreen. We appreciate you being an auditor and all the nice things you just said, too. That's what I had hoped for six years ago when we started this, is that you, you just have some friends that you can hang out with. And, and my hope was, too, that you'd be talking to the radio. If you're talking to the radio or the phone or whatever you're listening on, and you're talking back to us and you're guessing the answers when we play the silly games and doing all of that, then we've done our job. So um, that, that was the hope. Celeste? Yeah, I think I think Doreen said it really well. I, I I feel the same way. I mean, I think I came across uh, something totally random. Like one of my friends, one of my horse friends had shared, I think something from the, um, which one was it? it I think it was the uh, tip, the Horse Tip Daily um, Facebook page. And I was just like, oh, what's this? And I went and checked that out. And so I started downloading some of those because I'm just, a total geek when it comes to horses. Like I said, I, I live, breathe horses and I love, you know, I, I read so many educational books and everything else. And, and I think a lot of us horse people, because if we have our own farms or we're boarding or whatever, we're in, in our car a lot, a lot of the time just commuting. And, um, and I completely agree with her. I was so tired of constantly listening to the radio, playing the same stupid songs over and over again. So I was like, you know, if I can spend my time enjoying it more by, you know, soaking up more information, I would prefer to do that. So I think I came across the Horse Tip Daily Show, got me involved with the Horse Radio Network in general, and I think I listened to every show pretty much. I, I can't think of any. I didn't listen to the Western radio show as much as I should have, but um, but just about all the rest of them are on my automatic podcast download on my iTunes and I just plug my iPod up every day and download it and plug it into my car every morning and every evening when I get off work. So I'm always listening to something and I feel like I pick up a lot of information from it. And I definitely think people probably think I'm a total like nutcase because I'll just be sitting at a stoplight and start cracking up at something you guys said. And I'm sure they like see me in my car with like no noise and I'm just like dying of laughter or something. I like this little, it might be schizophrenic or something like that because <laughs> I look like I'm probably talking to somebody who's not in the car. <laughs> so I, I really enjoy it. I, I get a lot of entertainment out of it. I feel like I get a lot of information about it. I, I love all the vet stuff and everything that you guys do too. And it, to me, it was, it was a lot the same way. It was just like, you know, if, if I get this much enjoyment and entertainment and, and education out of it, I feel like you guys deserve, you know, a few of my dollars. I might not have a lot to spare, but it's something that I want to budget towards to, to make sure that I can help you guys keep continuing because I would be heart-stricken if, <laughs> if y'all disappeared. I would have nothing to listen to anymore. Well, <laughs> I feel you, the Celeste. same way. I don't know what I would do with myself. <laughs> well, thank you guys yeah. for that. I appreciate that. We're not planning on going anywhere, by the way. So uh, uh, <laughs> I, I have no other options. This is it. So this, you know, I'm going to hang around. Besides, who else would pay me just to talk? Um, so, so Robin, uh, I hate to ask this of Robin. No, I'm just kidding. I, I pick on Robin a lot, but Robin and I have co-hosted the show together. So, uh, Robin, what, 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 why did you choose to become an auditor? So Jamie could get paid. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, we joke about that, but uh, she does she does make a little bit of money on the side. So, <laughs> no, I I discovered you guys uh, right before the driving radio show started. Uh, I was reading on um, one of the driving email forums, and people started posting about <clears throat> this driving radio show that was going to be starting, and that we should listen to it. And I hadn't even ever listened to a podcast before, so I was like. Well, now I have to figure out what how to do this. And once I got on the driving radio shows, and I started hearing uh, talk about how you had other shows, so I started listening to other shows. I listened to Stable Scoop and uh, Horses in the Morning. And I have to say, uh, when I heard you and Jamie banter back and forth on Horses in the Morning, I was hooked. And I even went back to the first show of Horses in the Morning, a recorded show. Oh, and just God. downloaded all of them <laughs> from the beginning because I felt like if I didn't listen to every single one, I was going to miss something. <laughs> so I did that. And, uh, but I was just, I thought it was so awesome that you had like all the vets on talking about different things uh, for the health segments and carriers and all the variety of people that you had on. Um, so, I mean, by the time you were able to bring around the auditor program, I was such a huge fan that I was like, well, of course, I'm going to put some money towards this. And it's not a lot because it comes out of my horse account. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. as much as I can, I, I put towards the, the auditor program and uh, I get the blooper reel. I mean, come on. <laughs> Yeah, and it does seem, those for those uh, that are not auditors listening to this, we do blooper reels every once in a while. We try and get them done every month. But now the hosts have kind of figured out we're doing the blooper reels, so they're attempting to do less bloopers. Um, they're, they're on their guard, especially Reese and Philip. They're like, we're not going to screw up tonight. I'm not going to be on the blooper reel. Um, now, that ha- hasn't seemed to affect uh, Helena and I at all. Yeah, it'll be the Helena reel. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Helena and I... Uh, we just kind of let it all out there. And, you know, it's hard because we don't have any bloopers from the morning show because it's live. And it's like, you know, we, we don't cut anything out. So it, it's just out there. So that, that makes it more difficult. But I want to thank all of the auditors and everybody who listens, really. Even if you can't afford to donate, we appreciate you listening. Tell your friends about it. That's as important as, uh, as anything is just letting the world know. But we appreciate all you guys listening. And, you know, I sometimes forget, and like when we meet Celeste at... People like Celeste out at Rolex, and I meet the listeners different places. Sometimes we meet listeners down at Disney when they come down, and, and different places I meet listeners up to Percheron Congress. They know us so well that I forget that sometimes. That you, <laughs> yeah, know, you don't know how many stalkers you have. I know, and, and it, you know, we'll be talking about the, <laughs> something, and I'll mention something, they'll say, I already know that. And I, I forget, and it does catch <laughs> me off guard at times. And Jamie, too, I know we've had this discussion that we forget that our whole lives are just right there and we forget mm-hmm. that you know us so well and we really don't know anything about you. So it's, uh, what well, little we know is probably from Facebook, you know, for most of our <laughs> listeners that we know about yet there are tens of thousands of people that listen that never communicate with us at all. So, and yeah. we're always, we're always surprised when I get an email from one of those people and they're, they, you know, it's an email about how they like the show and everything. And they're from this country I've never even heard of. And, and I'm always <laughs> surprised. It's like, wow, those people know about us too. And then it, it kind of sinks in, but it takes those instances for us to realize we're not just talking to ourselves in the morning. Uh, so yeah. thank you so much guys for being auditors and for being part of this first episode. We'll continue to hopefully do this again. If you would like to become an auditor, stop by any one of our websites. Just go to horseradionetwork.com. There's a big button right in the middle. You can do it for as little as a dollar a month and be part of, of this HRN auditor program. Thank you, Doreen. Thank you, Celeste. Thank you, Robin. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. Absolutely. Bye, guys. It was nice to talk to you, ladies.